Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly Forex podcast, taking a hard look at what's driving the world's largest financial markets. I'm Alice Ross, the FT's currencies correspondent, and I'll be taking you through the market trends this week with the help of my special guest, David Bloom, Global Head of FX Strategy at HSBC. David, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Let's start by looking at the euro. In the past week, we've finally seen the euro make a big move lower to dip below 127 against the dollar for the first time since January, following increasing speculation that Greece may drop out of the single currency. We probably won't have much more clarity on that until the Greek elections next month, of course. But the question everyone is asking right now is, will a Grexit be good or bad for the euro? David, what do you think? Well, I think, first of all, you said it's the lowest point since January, and we're talking about Greece possibly leaving the euro. So you've got to ask yourself, why is it not a lot lower? Mm. And I think the idea is that a Greek exit, uh, I think a year or two years ago, was seen as cataclysmic, and you wouldn't really have a euro. So now the idea is Greece could leave but the euro will still exist. Mm. Then we've got the, you have to try and make like a decision tree and try and keep it simple because otherwise it gets way too complicated. Now, if Greece leaves, you can ask, will there be contagion or won't there? If there's generalized contagion, that will be terrible for the euro and I think it'll go down a long way. But then so will equities and many other asset classes. But you've also got the option that the contagion is limited through central bank action. And uh, that would be then up to how does Greece perform? Because even if you imagine that contagion is limited, but Greece does fabulously well, you know, the temptation by others to join them becomes greater. So, the, the, you know, we don't think Greece will leave. But if they do leave and the contagion is limited and it's very bad ruinous for Greece, then actually you start thinking the euro is indivisible because nobody wants to go down that route. But I think the markets have had enough of it and we're waiting a month. And in this next month or so, uh, the markets have to price in some type of binary probability. Mm. And I mean, of course, it's, it's not even just about Greece anymore. You know, in the past few days, everyone's been looking rather nervously at Spain. We've seen bond yields there spike. We've seen the banks get downgraded. Uh, I mean, to me, it seems like there would be quite a big contagion risk and that even if Greece stays in the Eurozone, where, you know, the Eurozone still has so many problems, regardless of the Greece situation. Absolutely correct. I mean, it is also path dependent. You could say the euro is going up if Greece leaves, but if it falls a long way or equities fall a long way, then it, they may go up. So the question is, what do they do from now until the, the Greek election? And it, it's looking pretty ropey. You're absolutely right. And at some point, the ECB will step in. And we've even seen uh, the Bank of England, Mervyn King, turning a bit dovish because of the Eurozone. Uh, I would imagine there'd be coordinated central bank intervention to try and calm the situation down. What do you think they'll do, the ECB, this time around? Well, I think the cross-currency swap operations will come back in. You'll see the Swiss doing it with Hungary. It'll be all over the place. And globally, there'll be cross-currency swap operations. Well, it depends. They could go through an LTRO3 hmm. or they could get more aggressive. Uh, at this stage, um, the more aggressive option doesn't look likely. But we're not in the position where things have got so terrible that they have to act. And 
as usual, it's a game of chicken. We have to look over the abyss and things will get a lot worse before these central banks will act. Do you see the euro going significantly lower from here? Do you have a prediction for, say, three months the end of the year? Well, yes, we have a prediction for the end of the year, which seems quite strange, uh, which is 140. Uh, um, and so that's high. But then it's a forecast. Anybody can just change their forecast because of events. Eventually, we think this will die down. And then we'll be focusing on the other big political event, which is the U.S. elections, their debt ceilings, their problems. FX markets concentrate on one thing at a time. The moment it's a euro, but at some stage we'll switch. And we believe in that switch. And that's why we're forecasting actually the euro to go higher rather than lower. Sounds strange, but that's why it's called a forecast. Mm. Well, let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks on that. Um, let's look now at some of the fallout from the Eurozone on the other European countries though, yes. in the past few days. Because we've seen, in particular, the Swedish krona and the Norwegian krona have really not been doing very well yes. throughout this. The stocky has hit its weakest level since 2010 against the US dollar, while the Noki is actually at its lowest level since January, and both have been falling against the euro as well. Aren't these countries supposed to be in better shape than the Eurozone? Why are their currencies being sold off? Well, that's the thing about foreign exchange markets and about markets themselves. It's not all about what uh, makes sense from a macro basis. Mm. Because what you're saying from a macro basis, Norway and Sweden should be doing fabulously well. But their doors are very small. They're very illiquid. People are getting out of them to buy dollars. But when you sell an illiquid currency to buy dollars, it has quite a big pronounced effect of weakening the currency. So they actually weaken against the euro as well. Mm. It's more of a technical issue than anything else. Now, so does that mean Norway and Sweden are buyers? Yes, they are. But as you know, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Mm. But uh, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Norway is still the most fabulous currency in the world, and everybody should, should try and own it as far as I'm concerned because you step away from all the world's problems. And Sweden has this uh, relationship with equities as far as traders are concerned, but doesn't really hold. The problem is there is an opportunity to buy Sweden, but when these markets are in this kind of mood, you know, they can really smash you. Norway has outperformed Sweden fabulously, but they've both sold off for the euro against the euro. But I would say that's for more technical reasons rather than macroeconomic fundamentals. But if you're looking for havens in Europe, I mean, particularly the Norwegian krona is, is yes. something that's often called a currency haven. Does the price action in the past few days really bear that out? I mean, do you think that you, we should call the Nokia haven currency? Absolutely, without a doubt. But again, you know, markets are not this... As Shakespeare said, the path of even the path of true love is not smooth. So nothing goes in a straight line. Yes, it is a haven and it's a beautiful haven, but it does have a liquidity issue, which means that when the markets become dysfunctional in a way, these currencies behave very strangely. But if you own Norway, do you care if the euro breaks up? Do you care about the US debt problem? You don't you sleep like a king at night because you don't really have to worry. Yes, the currency may go up 5 or 10% one way or another, but ultimately your money is safe. So if there is a Grexit, you're recommending the Norwegian krona? Yes, we are. And we think at the moment uh, it's a great trade and so is the yen. Uh, let's finally look at the, the one European currency that's actually breaking the mould here and doing spectacularly well against the euro. That is, of course, the British pound, which is now the strongest it's been against the single currency since November 2008. Our economy is certainly worse than Norway. So why is the pound doing so well? Well, I think the, I think the pound is doing well. First of all, when uh, Adam Posen kind of changed his tune, uh, we got a more hawkish bend from the bank and uh, mm. sterling did quite well. But people are looking for bigger and more liquid currencies out of the eurozone, and they're looking towards sterling. 
Although I have to say, uh, a little more recently, people are getting a little bit of cold feet looking at some of these financial problems in the Eurozone and saying, hey, if they hit the Eurozone, the UK financial sector will also be smashed. So uh, it's taken the edge of sterling. It's had good M&A flows. People are holding it more in reserves. It's had, uh, you know, the coalition is holding together in terms of fiscal austerity, which is what the market likes. And so uh, it's got a lot going for it. But uh, I think the market's, you know, starting to wobble a little because it realizes that the financial links with Europe are very strong. But at the end of the day, the market believes that we have an austerity plan and the market believes in it. And that's why sterling ultimately is doing much better than the euro. Okay, great. That's all we've got time for this week. David Bloom of HSBC, thank you very much. Hard Currency will be back next week, but until then, you can read up-to-date FX news and analysis on our website, fd.com forward slash markets forward slash currencies. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.